Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. I'm glad that you are hanging out here with me. I'm so excited for you to hear this week's interview that we did. It's someone that I haven't had a chance to talk to in a minute. And we used to have big fun together when I used to work over at Channel 5. And look at her being a star now. Being on top of the world as a morning show anchor. You're going to hear from Michelle Relifer coming up in a little bit. Before I get to the interview, I wanted to tell you some stuff as listeners of the House of L podcast that I want to explain to you that I think that the podcast is getting ready to enter a new phase. And it's been kind of leaning and crawling this way. But I think now there are some things in place that are going to allow the podcast to grow and take some really interesting leaps over the next few months to what I'm hoping is in 2021, like it takes that kind of next step. Like we're closing in on a million downloads, which... When I started this podcast two and a half years ago, in my wildest dreams, I didn't think that we were getting to that point, (laughs) but we're there. Like, we are knocking on the door of one million downloads of this podcast. So I thank you for your support of it, and I can tell you that we're really trying to grow this into a network of podcasts. And it's going to take some discipline on my part to make sure that I'm handling the business side of House of L, which is not my favorite part of it. My favorite part is is being the creative, being in 
in these moments where I get to talk with really interesting people about what it is they do or helping other people put together different types of podcasts that are hopefully successful. The Baseball From Home podcast that Connor and Joe did, I thought was outstanding, and I really appreciated people gravitating towards it. I'm, I'm really proud of Connor for his new job that he's got, which I believe is going to keep him from being able to do a baseball podcast for House of L, which is totally fine. He's He's got to worry about filling in and doing play-by-play. Like, can you believe that? Connor's going to be doing White Sox play-by-play. And that's dope. As part of his responsibilities as their pre- and post-game host over on 1000. So I'm kind of in the market for a new baseball podcast, and I've actually talked to a couple of people about that. Maggie and I are going to continue to do our stupid Star Trek stuff, which I think now I I think – we can consistently put out an episode every two weeks along with the weekly interviews that that I'm doing. And it's not official official yet, but I'm adding a new podcast in the next month to what it is we do in House of L. There's a, a couple of guys that I really like that I think are really smart, that have a different perspective, and they are going to join the House of L family in a couple of weeks. So... The podcast is growing. If you are, are are someone who would like to be a part of this, let me just throw it out there. Let me use the podcast for as it was intended. If you're someone who sees value in advertising on a podcast like this, we would love to have you. We've had really great sponsors in the past. I think that we're going to need even more now. But if you're a local business that is looking to – I'm sure that there are decision makers that listen to my podcast. And if you have a budget and you can make decisions on some of these things, we would love to partner with you. And that's kind of how I look at the advertisers. And here's what it does so that you understand at least part of my thinking and what I'm about. I'm not using the money to make myself rich. We're far from that at House of L at this point. What I'm using the money for is to pay people what what they deserve for their work product and to try to build something that's even bigger. But that can only happen outside of my like investment, my personal investment into the company. Um, it, can hap- it can only happen if we get great partners from an advertising standpoint. So if you want to advertise with us, hit me up, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. Say it again slowly. House of L podcast at gmail.com. I actually had someone reach out who's going to jump on as an advertiser and a partner in a couple of weeks through the email. Just felt like it was a fit and wanted to buy in. I can tell you that the people that we're bringing on, like they have a following. And that following, when they send these these episodes out, people are going to listen to them. And it opens up a, a whole new audience for us. But we would love for you to partner with us. And we're what we're trying to do at House of L is give people an opportunity to, to have a place to, to put their stuff. And you know how I feel when it comes to people losing their gigs. And... 
and and I can I can only do so much with the limited like capital that I have for this company, but I can tell you that the more partners that we get for House of L, and I'm not going to let it it totally be invasive to the content, and I know some of the national stuff that that pops in in the middle of episodes can sometimes feel that way. I'm not going to let it overwhelm the content. Like, the content is the biggest and most important part of this. But I need that. Like, I need that so that I can pass that money along to people who do podcasts for me. Like, I'm I'm in a place where I am writing checks. You know, I don't write rhymes. I write checks. But the checks are small. And I'd quite honestly like for those checks to be bigger for the people that we asked to, to, to give content to this platform. So I want to thank you for your support. Just listening is, is enough. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you. It's enough. Like, you downloading these episodes is enough. But if you want to advertise, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to donate, if you're like, I don't, I don't have a company, but I got $10, and you want to donate, if you look at, at at where you're, if you're getting it on Apple and you just click inside the link, you can actually donate to the podcast. And as I've said, like that money is going to people like Maggie. That money is is going to go to people like Connor and Joe and the, the new guys I'm going to bring on. And there are a couple other people that I'm thinking about doing some stuff with that I think that you would be interested in. So whatever you can give, if you can give, and if you are a decision maker and you want to partner with this, and I always offer up not just the podcast but all of my social media platforms as well, then we will figure out a way to make it work. So houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. All right, enough of the goings-on of this company. You probably clicked on to this episode because of my guest, and that's good. Michelle Relaford is is born and raised here in Chicago. And it's great that now she gets an opportunity to, to host that morning show on NBC5 Monday through Friday. We worked together on the weekends. We were part of the weekend crew when I was working over at Channel 5 uh, along with Dick Johnson, who you'll hear us talk about inside this episode because we both feel like we were mentored by him and miss him every day it was very it was heart-wrenching uh when he passed away in in 2020 so we talk a little bit about that we talk about the difference between hard news and what she's doing on a morning show it's a different vibe it's a different skill set that you have to have the the kind of twists and turns that her career gave her and why she's Always happy to be in Chicago, but even still, like all the things that go on with being in Chicago. So we had a wonderful time talking and catching up. And you will also hear inside this episode how difficult it is to be a parent with the the schedule that she has. Because you want to make sure that you have time to play with your little one. And you will hear from Michelle Relaford's little one inside this episode. So. Watch her on NBC5 Monday through Fridays. Our good friend Kai Martin is on that show too. Zoraida is taking a break from that show, but she's on that show. Check it out. It's good stuff. 
And I think that you'll enjoy this episode. My friend Michelle Relliford on House of L. How are you doing? Good, good. Oh, my God. It's so good to see you. You too. It's been a long time. I mean, I see you all the time on social media, but. Yeah, it's, it's not, not the same, right? It's not, not as good. <laughs> really the same thing. How are you doing? Everything okay? Everything is crazy. I started to set up in my closet or, you know, someplace more <laughs> private, but I'm like, you know what? This is life. You understand. <laughs> so if a two-year-old comes barreling through here, you know what's going on. <laughs> I, I, I got you. I I'm I, I think that's hysterical. That's so Yeah. <laughs> We're keeping it real. So Good. anything can happen right about now. Good. Well, I won't, I won't hold you long because I know that you have all sorts of stuff to do. But I, I'm so interested in like the – you know how your career has evolved it's what isn't it like 10 years now since you've been back almost yeah almost Mommy. just about Mommy. yeah Mommy. speaking of <laughs> hi. mommy mommy say hi lauren hi. this is Jakai. oh look at his hair <laughs> oh so kai. beautiful kai kai he says his name is kai kai Okay. Bye-bye, Kai Kai. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs> See you soon. See Good you job. Soon. All right. Um, yeah, it's hey, oh my goodness. He's not done. That's all right. Okay. Yeah, it's been almost 10 years now. Um yeah, things have really changed. I, I think when you started at NBC, um, was I just kind of filling in on the weekends, I think, at that yeah. point? Yeah. 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 Help me out here. Um, filling in on the weekends. And then, yeah, there's been so many changes. I mean, when I started, I was reporting for the 11 um, and then just kind of filling in, anchoring here and there whenever they needed me. Um, and then I went from that to filling in on the weekend morning show with Susan Carlson. Yeah. And then that became more of a permanent situation. And then from weekend mornings to weekend evenings, uh, and now Monday through Friday morning show with Sarita. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Like that, that, that whole arc of ending up <laughs> in the different places is there, has there been a, a time slot that you've been working in that's felt more normal than the other ones? Um, you know what? I don't think I've ever really just had one time slot <laughs> that's been consistent. Even if I work nine to five during the week, then I'm two to 10 PM on the weekends. Or, you know, if I, I, I reported for the uh, morning show at one point, the 4 AM reporter. So I would come in at 3 AM and then I report through the noon and then yeah, on the weekends I report nine to five. I mean, I, my schedule has always been all over the place so i think that's just kind of been the norm for me just doing everything but this is the first time i will say that i've had a consistent schedule albeit a very crazy <laughs> schedule you know i i get up at 1 a.m i'm at work by 2 a.m um and so yeah that's tough but this has been the only consistent schedule monday you know five days a week and so i guess this this is my normal I actually talked with Lauren Jiggets a little bit about this when she decided that she was going to go do mornings. She yeah. said that she likes this schedule because her children are young and that mm -hmm. she feels like she's probably seeing her boys more 
than she would if she was working another shift. Is that the same for you? Absolutely. I think you you definitely spend more time and, and see them more. Um, but I feel like it is most definitely harder. I mean, I don't have uh, childcare at this point. And so it's literally clocking out of one job and clocking into the second job. And so when he takes a nap, then that's my chance to either take a nap or try to get things done around the house. But I mean, it is exhausting. Like literally as soon as I get home, I'm in mommy mode and none of my time is my own. And so it's, it's taxing, but what it is, it's the best job in the world, right? Right. Well, what's the, what's the emotional transformation like? Because even on a morning show and you guys do a good job of like keeping it light. Like it's, it's still a lot of fun to watch you all in the morning, but the news has been so heavy over the last couple of years. What's that emotional transition for you? Like when you walk off the set to when you walk into the house, you know, I live in the far South suburbs. And so I have about a 40 minute drive (laughs) to kind of decompress listen to a podcast or some music and try to, you know, leave that at the station. But as you know, with everything that's been going on in the country, that's not something that you can just unplug from. And so when I am here, you know, even you know, with the riots in the Capitol, I was at home watching that play out for hours. And so, yeah, you know, some days you can kind of leave it at the station a little bit, but you know, with, with so much evolving, uh, at every hour when you, I don't, I don't think it's something that ever leaves you. And I think you just kind of have to learn how to compartmentalize uh, those feelings. Um, and, and I think it, it helps you to just kind of cherish the moments with your family, even more with your children, just seeing so much chaos and uh, so much sadness and pain and heartbreak and heartache. I think it just, you know, it makes you just relish those moments even, even more. What's the best part of your job right now? I think the best part of my job right now, the people and being able to connect with the viewers in a new way, Um, being on a morning show for three hours, you get to show a side of yourself that no one really gets to see (laughs) anchoring a weekend evening show for 30 minutes. You get weather, you get Sports. I mean, once you chop out some commercial breaks, you really only see or hear from me for a little bit. And most of that is really just delivering the news um, and playing it straight. And so you may see a little bit of personality and like the toss to sports or into weather, but that's about three seconds, <laughs> three to five seconds, and that's it. And so I think the best part is just being able to, first of all, the people that I work with, I mean, you know, the people at NBC, they're really great people. Um, and they're a lot of fun. Zoraida's fun. Uh, for the past month or so, I've been working with Patrick Fazio. Zoraida's been out for a while. He's a lot of fun. Kai Martin, Andy Avalos, um, Alicia Roman. She's <laughs> the best. Yes, Alicia's always a blast. She's always just a burst of sunshine. It's so fitting that she's a meteorologist. Um, but just the people that I work with and being able to be myself a lot more than I ever really have been able to. Um, and so that's that's been a lot of fun. Some days it doesn't really feel like work because we're laughing. Um, 
but of course lately it, <laughs> it, it has we've had our moments where it does feel like work because the news right now is is so tough intense um but when you work with people that you like and people that you respect and people that you can learn so much from it it, it makes that transition a lot more smoother yeah i i, I kind of thought that it was it was perfect for you to move to that spot because I'm like, man, people are gonna get to know the Relaford that I know from the <laughs> newsroom now. Like, like they were gonna, they're gonna get to know you more, and you're gonna get to show them more. So I, I feel like it, from a personality standpoint, like it's so fitting that you're doing mornings because of what it allows you to show the audience. I think I can be pretty funny, and I think I can come up with a, a one liner or two you know here and there i mean listen I, I worked alongside dick johnson for a long time you that rubs off and you know he had a one-liner for everything and so I, I learned from the best um so yeah i think that uh it has been really fun and i think just doing it and and being in that space five days a week you get more comfortable and as you know, the more comfortable you get, the more you starts to come out. And um, I, I think that that has been a joy. And also seeing and hearing the feedback from viewers that reach out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and and seeing that they've enjoyed that too. Um, that's that's great. Let's talk about our friend Dick Johnson for a second. Um, obviously, like ev- all of us are like tremendously sad, like it is passing. But it's so funny, like. You brought up his name. I started smiling. I brought up his name. <laughs> you started smiling. I don't think that people understand the type of impact that he had on, like, the ecosystem of the newsroom because of just the type of dude that he was. And I think that, you know, again, and he did Anchor Mornings for a while um, with Sarita. And so I think in that space, people got to see more of the DJ that we know and love and, and, and the guy, you know, who always has a joke and always has, you know, a funny moment in the newsroom. Um, and again, you know, working evenings, you got to see glimpses of that. But every time I run into somebody in the field who knows him personally, or even just kind of bumped into him for a moment, they always have a great story to tell, even if it, they just kind of meet him on the street they come away from it with a moment. And so I think that that is so perfectly DJ. I mean, he just, he's full of moments and he shares that with everyone and he shared himself with everyone. I mean, he was so open, which was surprising to me. I think when I started working with him, I was really intimidated and I did not know what to expect. Um, but just from the very beginning, he was just very open, very welcoming. I mean, he, he shared so many personal moments and and lessons and and he loved talking about his family and and just so many of of those moments that have been scary and stressful and 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 perfect and meaningful I mean he just he shared so much so freely and I think that was a big surprise for me and I think that's also why it's so easy for us to feel very close and to feel like more than co-workers because you really got to know him in a really intimate way because he was just so open about his whole entire life. And, and so, yeah, that's why it was really, really tough uh, when we lost him. I thought that as someone who's been like a part of that family for a little bit, I was, um, 
I was riveted to the coverage of it because it was so real. Like, it wasn't just, like, eulogizing a colleague. It, you could see, like, Allison was hurting when she was on the air talking about it. Like, everyone who came on the air, I thought it was a fitting tribute to a guy that was so authentic that the way that everyone talked about it on the air was very authentic. And, and as, a, as a viewer, you felt it. Like, you, you felt all of those emotions that people had tied into him. Yeah. Um, we, we did have a moment uh, on the weekend uh, evening show after he passed where we uh, each had a moment to say some personal things. And I don't, I think I, I, I barely <laughs> made it, made it through it. Right. And I think a lot of that is because it was so much of a shock. Um, and even when he was gone, he kept in touch with a lot of people in the newsroom. I mean, you know, DJ did not unplug. I mean, he lived and breathed news. And so, you know, even though he was away taking some personal time, he was always watching and he was all, he was still even calling his contacts and sources. And, you know, you'd see an email from DJ in, in, in your uh, inbox and, you know, he's still sending story ideas. And even though he was away, you know, taking some personal time. And, and, and so, you know, he was gone, but he was never really gone. And I had talked to him not long uh, before he passed, um, maybe like, I would say two weeks. And our conversation was about his return. And <laughs> he was trying to figure out, you know, just the kind of logistics of it with COVID and everything and, and what would be the safest way to do that. But he fully planned to come back and I fully planned to work with him again. And so I think that's why it just was so jarring, you know, when, when that news came, um, just, just knowing that he still had so much he wanted to do. Um, but I think, yeah, that, that also is another reason why it hit everybody so hard because he was still very much a part of the, the newsroom, even though he, he was on a leave, you know, for a few months before he passed, um, his presence was still strong. And uh, I think we all expected him to walk back into the newsroom eventually. What do you think is the best lesson you learned from sitting next to him? You know, I think just seeing him and his just consummate professionalism and just knowing how much even just the little things meant to him. I'm a kind of person where I, I try not to take myself too seriously um, and so I think it's kind of helped me when things don't go right, just kind of brush it off, <laughs> you know, and keep going. Um, but, but I think he, he really taught me just to take honor and, and just to take honor and pride in every little detail, even, even the smallest things do matter, you know, just the slightest, I mean, you're reading for hours sometimes and and sometimes the words may not come out <laughs> correctly you know they, they, the way you see it may not be the way it, it gets translated um and so but even and I don't care if he was reading for three four five six hours even just the slightest flub um would bring him some displeasure and so just knowing how important it was to him to just give his very best no matter what, even though he was dealing with the health issues, because um, 
he let us know that he had some health issues before he took uh, the medical leave. Um, but so even dealing with that though, he always wanted to give his very best. And so I think that was, that was definitely one of the keys that I got from working with him. Just, just no matter what, always try to be your absolute best. I, I remember when I started working with him, uh, I would wear sneakers <laughs> because you can't see, you know, I'd have on my news anchor dress, but then at the bottom, I would have sneakers because um, you can't see that. I you would know? see it. I'm being comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and I think that bothered him initially <laughs> because he had so much esteem for that news anchor role. I mean, people kind of would make fun and say, yeah, he's our, he's our, our Ron Burgundy. Um, but he, he had so much pride and, and just saw the honor in, in that position. And, and so sneakers, they just were not befitting <laughs> of that role. Um, and I think I, I definitely learned to take a lot of that. And then also just how important his family was and his family time um, and making that just a big priority in life. I think just knowing what's important in life, I think that is also something that I, I learned from him. Just knowing the people who are going to be there for you at the end of the day, you know, when you come home, if, if you have the job, if you don't have the job, you know, if you get demoted, if you get promoted, all of that stuff is flexible. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, all of that stuff can change. All that stuff can be taken away. Um, but just relishing your family and and you know, trying to be the best parent that you can be. That was really important to him. And, and I learned to always try to make that a priority and, and be important to me. Let me ask you a question about media overall. When it comes to the way that news is, is presented, do you think that we've done a good job, media capital M, I don't even mean necessarily Channel 5, have we done a good job in telling the stories that need to be told? And if we haven't, what can we do better to tell those stories? Telling the stories that need to be told. You know, I can really only speak for NBC because that is the station that I am dialed into the most. Dada. Dada. <laughs> Speaking of family, <laughs> he's so great, though. <laughs> Dada is gonna have to pick up the pace. <laughs> I mean, I think that he's just getting to the age where he gets away. Like, I think that that's... is. Well, Dada's got to get on the Peloton. <laughs> cardio going you know take some gatorade you know what i mean or something like that because he's moving like molasses yes old is like speedy gonzalez yes so, <laughs> you, you gotta get in the middle you know what i mean um but that's really interesting telling the stories that need to be told and i know for at least nbc5 we i think we do make 
a very, very strong effort to do that. Um, and not just our Making a Difference franchises, but you know, we have diversity inclusion meetings um, and we talk about this very topic. Are we telling the stories that need to be told? Are we being fair? Are we giving uh, a fair and, and, and impartial voice um, to all communities? And so I, I think it's something that we are very conscious of. And I think when I do flip the channels, at, at least in Chicago, um, I think I do see, I do see that um, from the other stations. I think Chicago is a wonderful place where I do feel like, I, I'm trying to <laughs> speak carefully here. Listen, I, I worked in Boston for four years, okay? <laughs> so being in a place like Chicago, I see minority communities speak with a powerful voice. And, and I see a, a unified voice here in, in Chicago that you really don't get in every city. And so I think that the stories are being told. Um, and I think that the stations know that the, the communities are not going to settle for less. Um, and I think that the communities know that they do have a right to be heard. Um, and so I think just being in Chicago, I, I feel like I do see more of a, a, a relationship between the communities and the stations um, where, we, where we aren't just telling negative stories, where we aren't just coming into the community. And I think that that is a stereotype. And I feel like sometimes people just, they're, they're used to that being the status quo. But I feel like that's changed. And, you know, you hear it all the time. Oh, the media, they only show up when something's wrong. If you look at the news nowadays, it's not true anymore. That's not true. We are telling the positive stories. We are showing people that are, are thriving and, and not just surviving and, and trying to do positive things in the, in the community. Um, it could always be more of that. And I think we're trying to find ways to, to do more of that. But as you know, I mean, staff is getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And so you have to make do with the resources that you have. And those resources just aren't what they were, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, even. So I, I, I do think that it is something that is valuable. And, and I think it's something that is important to new station. Personality. So I mean, that's that's a perfect answer. And I think personality wise, like you fit on a morning, like the idea of a morning show, like really well. So how but even inside of that, where you have you and Zoraida and you guys are both like, I, I don't want to I don't mean this as a pejorative, like you both are bubbly personalities, like you both bring a lot of joy to your work. How hard is it to considering what's gone on over the last 10 months how hard is it to go from here's something light here's something that people need like they need a, a good story to make them feel good versus here's all the bad stuff that we have to like you guys are dishing out dessert but there's a lot of vegetables that you all have to serve yeah and i think we do it in just that way that you described right now i mean we give the vegetables and the vegetables come first <laughs> um, but then when you have those lighter moments, we do exactly what you just did. We say 
to the viewers, all right, we all need something to smile right now. So how about the story of this person that's really doing something great in her neighborhood? And then you continue that way. And so I, I think just kind of acknowledging that things are, are tense and just and just transitioning in a way to let people know, okay, listen, we're gonna take it down a little bit. We're gonna lighten it up and we're gonna give you something to, to smile about and a reason to, to feel a little joy. You know, we're gonna switch gears a little bit with this. I mean, we've, we've, we've had Powerball, we've had, um, you know, a lot of, of lighter stories and, and funny moments. I mean, in, on the morning show, we, we have a, a segment called What's Trending. And we've talked about everything from Kim Kardashian to, monoliths just popping up you know what i mean just the craziest wildest stuff um and so i think you really just have to acknowledge that okay we're going to turn things down a little bit with this next story so that people are prepared and they're ready to make that transition with you and i think that they they appreciate <laughs> being able to have those moments where you can just kind of breathe a little bit even if it's just a picture uh from the chopper of of the sunrise just you know all right here's Here's a beautiful moment. Here's something that you can appreciate. Take a look at, at the sun coming up over Chicago. We hope you have a beautiful day. You know, just just something just as simple as that. I think um, people can appreciate just being genuine and just being real and being honest about the feelings that everybody's feeling and, and they can take that journey with you. When did you know that you wanted to be a storyteller? Uh, in high school. <laughs> really? Yes, at Whitney Young High School uh, on 211 South Laughlin. I'm a dolphin, uh, Chicago Public Schools. Yeah, in high school, I wanted to be um, a news reporter. Uh, and I didn't initially go for it. I was afraid. Um, what scared I you? To, I spoke to a lot of people just to find out what the life was like. And when I found out what the life was like. And, and they told me stories about having to start in a really small market and making very, very little money and how competitive it is and how many people don't really make it to the level of a Chicago. And, you know, they live in these smaller markets and, and they work their whole lives trying to climb that ladder. And um, that scared me away. I thought, you know, I, I don't know if, I can do that, you know, especially from high school, you know, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I want to live far, far, far away and be broke and barely, barely making it and not knowing you know, what the next step is going to be, or if there is going to be another step to take me to a higher level. And so, yeah, I got scared away. And so I majored in pre-med <laughs> when I went to college. Yeah, I thought I was going to be a doctor. Wow. So know, what, what flipped different. you back to, to doing this? Uh, Chem 101. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, you know, when God was handing out, you know, okay, here's the language skills, here's, you know, mathematical skills, here's the chemistry and analytics. And, you know, I, I he took all of my doses out and put it more in the communication <laughs> field and the reading. And yeah, I, I must've missed out when he was distributing mathematics and science and things like that. It just, and you know what? I also, um, it's really interesting. I interned in an emergency department and that was really, I wouldn't even say intern. No, I actually worked 
there when I was in college um, part-time. And I saw things that I had never, never even seen before. Um, and I remember even having to deliver the news to a family that their loved one had passed. And I'm 19 years old at that point. Um, and so it was really, really tough. Um, and it, I think when I got through that moment and I think when I was able to, I, when I was able to get past just being in the ER and, and seeing, I mean, I saw seizures and, and, and strokes and aneurysm, I mean, just frightening things, but I never shied away from it. You know, I never went to go cower in a corner. I never said, I can't do this. I never backed away from trying to be helpful. And even when I did have to tell that family that their loved one did not make it, I tried to do it with the most compassion that I absolutely could. You know, I, I got through those moments. Um, and I think being able to get through that taught me that I'm stronger than I thought I was. And so even though I'm not the best scientist <laughs> and the best mathematician, I decided, you know, I'm going to go for what I really want because I can handle more than I realize. And I switched my major to journalism and I just, it's been rocking and rolling since then. <laughs> so, so after all of that, like where you go through this metamorphosis of, I thought I wanted to do this. Then I went a different direction. And then I'm like, no, I really want to do this. To go from that moment to the moment when you come back to Chicago, what did that mean to you to be able to be able to tell stories here? It was hard. I, I it was really, really hard. It was really hard. Um, because Chicago is violent. And I did not, I had been gone for so long. I, I lived on the East Coast. I worked in Washington, D.C. behind the scenes. Um, I worked, my first reporter job was in Dover, Delaware. Then I went to South Bend. Then I was in Cleveland and then Boston. So I hadn't lived here. Um, and so I did not remember how much pain was here. And so being back here and being immersed in that and being immersed in neighborhoods that I grew up in, you know, and having stories that involve people that I know personally. I remember one of the first stories that I covered here was a murder of a woman who was the sister of uh, a guy I'd known for decades and so yeah it just it was really hard I thought I was going to need therapy <laughs> it was really stressful and sad I just so much death um and some of the worst stories I've ever covered in my entire life have been here um I'll never forget the story in Naperville of, of a mom who murdered her children and I'll never forget the police describing once they caught her, her telling them her children's last words, mommy, I love you, please stop. I mean, that story broke me down, especially being a mom 
So I think just being back in Chicago, I mean, it's been wonderful to be near my family and to have them be able to be a part of my life and be a part of my children's life and being able to see them. And, you know, you know, the, 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 um, the shuffle that you go through on the holidays of, you know, how to, who do you fly to see for this holiday? Who do you, who comes to fly in to see that, you know, when you're, when you're not living where your family is and not having to deal with that and working holidays was okay because, you know, you can get out at six o'clock and still go and get, get a some pumpkin pie or whatever. That's yeah. Right. Um, but the emotional toll was really, really difficult that first year. Um, How'd you work through so it? Much. I'm sorry? How'd you work through it? I think prayer a lot to begin with. Um, and I think just trying to, you know, I, I've seen people just come through some of the darkest moments um, that I have ever seen and, and never experienced and so I think I you know just kind of I, I and obviously like the Naperville stories some stories don't go away some stories don't go I, I think um New Year I think my first story of the new year 2020 was that mom who threw her two toddlers off the roof of a apartment building in, in South Shore and then she jumped off as well I mean how do you start the year like that and some some stories just don't go away. Um, but I think when I have those stories that don't go away, I just try to pray about it and pray for the people because you just, you can't do anything. You know, you, you, you interview them and they bear their soul and you see the pain and sometimes they're crying. Sometimes you're crying with them. You know, there's stuff people don't, people don't see in the media. I think we get vilified so much and, and and people act like we're not human there's so much you don't see there's so many people who are breaking down in tears I, I know it's been all over the news recently the cnn reporter who's reporting on coronavirus in california and she broke down on live tv there's so many of those moments that don't happen on live tv um and so i think just when i have those those situations and and i can't shake it i just pray for the people involved and um that helps me try to move on we're almost taught drilled almost to make sure that once the red light goes on that that's not like part of what we present and it, it's it's a it's a lot to carry it's yeah. a lot to carry when you're doing stories like that what what what's one of the best stories like what's one of the stories that you've covered that gave you the same feeling in the opposite direction? Oh my gosh. Um, there have been some great stories. I think, um, <laughs> I, I feel like some of the, the, it's like the best, one of the best and one of the worst at the same time um, is a story about families and they had children with terminally, uh, terminally ill children. Uh, and they all got a day of just pampering and <laughs> um, joy and they got to it was a it was a holiday story and I, I believe they went on a holiday train and they got to see Santa and obviously it wasn't this year um, but it was so hard knowing that those children did not have long but seeing the happiness 
from the parents and the families and, and, the ch and, and even the children just being so grateful just for that moment, just to have that moment where their, their kids were so happy. Um, I think that just taught me so much and I was just so inspired and I continue to be so inspired by so many people that I come across and just the strength that they have and the strength that they find um, when they're dealing with so many things that are just unimaginable. Um, I, I think that was one of the stories and, and, and there, there are, are others of just so many families and, and you just marvel at their strength. And just when I see people show gratitude just in the face of, of so much darkness and pain. And they're, you know, you, you talk to people and somebody, a loved one could be killed and, and, and taken in a violent way. And, and, and they say they're not angry. <laughs> and, and they say they don't blame the person. I mean, those kind of stories and those kind of people, I just marvel at. And I try, I try to, to, to emulate that as, as much as I can. You know, we, we get caught up in our, our small problems and, you see people who are just so strong and so gracious. You just have to learn from that and try to take that with you. Well, speaking of gracious, you've been overly gracious with your time, and I appreciate it. I'm going to uh, I'll allow you to get back to, to putting on <laughs> your track shoes so you can, right. you can chase that little one around the house. But uh, I'm glad uh, that we got a chance to do this because I think that – I think that you're great, and I'm glad that you have this platform now to to really show like who you are. And I, I think it's good for Chicago. And I guarantee you that there's a young woman on the south side of Chicago that'll wake up and see you and be like, "Hey, I could do that." And I, I, I think that's a great thing to have. And I, I really hope so. You know, I think my story has value in that. You know what? And not to take anything away from anybody, but listen, I don't have a famous last name. You know what I mean? My parents, you know, my mom, she didn't go to college. My dad did. My mom, she's part of the great migration from Mississippi to Chicago, looking for a, a better life and a better future, you know, for her children. I went to CPS schools. I'm from the South side and not, you know, I mean, some South, some there's South side and there's South, you know, from 102nd near Halstead, you know, 103rd street. That's where the Harold's chicken is. <laughs> you know Tintray and Halstead. And so, so here's a fun fact, um, a, a connection for us. So grew up on 112th and green. Okay. Oh, that is so close to where I grew up. I know exactly where that is. So the guy across the street, from our family owned the Herald's on 103rd and Halstead. What? So on Fridays, his his son and my brother, my brother's a little older than me. His son and, 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 and my brother were best friends. And literally on Friday, they would bring us all sorts of Herald's to the house. I'm so jealous. Right? <laughs> It was so great. Yeah, my so, brother my brother went to yeah. Mendel like the whole nine yards. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so jealous. So I mean, you you know in, in that area. I mean, I, I grew up around gangs, you know what I mean? I Facts. you know, you grow up singing pitchforks, you know what I mean? Spray painted on, on the buildings and, and drugs and, and violence and shootings and things like that, you know what I mean? And so just to come from that 
and to be and have the platform that I have today. I hope that there are girls and boys out there watching me and, and learning, you know, that, that you, you're not limited by your environment. You know, you're not just because that's where you came from doesn't mean that's where you have to stay. And, there, and it's nothing wrong with coming from there. You know, just take all that street smarts, take all that grind, take all that hustle, take all that fight and determination that, that you build on those streets of Chicago and, and funnel that into a positive direction. And you can do anything. I was trying to explain to someone a couple weeks ago, Jason Hayward from the Cubs, they were doing a whole thing with the Players Alliance. And he they were doing a giveaway over on 119th and Halstead. And I was like, y'all don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Like, for, for a dude who plays for the Cubs to come to the Wild Hundreds? Like, wow. you don't understand, like, how big a deal, even in 2020, like, how yeah. big a deal that is. For because that's a part of the city that you know a lot of people don't even know exists. No, I know. Does like does even I don't. I was. It's like you have Roseland, <laughs> you have Beverly, you know, and then you have some sections that people just don't even know. They just call it like the far south side. You right. know what I mean? But so that, to see him there was incredible for me. Like I was like, wow, this is that's wonderful. That is a something, a something for sure. So anyway. Thank you for your time. This Thank was you. awesome. It was so good Thank to catch back up. Good to see you also. And and congratulations to you. I'm so proud of you and everything that you've been able to accomplish. And Thank I you. see you continuing to grow and, and elevate your name and your brand. And, you know, I've always just working with you at, at NBC. I was like, he's a star. He's absolutely a star. <laughs> and I, so I thank you I'm, I'm glad that that is being acknowledged and recognized and celebrated as well. Right on. Well, thanks again, and um, hopefully when things get better, we will all get an opportunity to see each other in person. I hope so. Let's plan on it. I like it. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So that is Relaford. It's funny. I don't think I've ever called her Michelle. Like, in conversation, she's always Relaford. That's so weird. It's so weird that we do that with some people and not with others. But, yeah, like, I've never called her Michelle. Wow. As long as I've known her, I've never called her Michelle. It's always Relaford. Huh. You learn something new about yourself every single day. I'm glad that she was available. And I'm glad that she was up for talking about this. You should follow her on Twitter at MRelifordNBC is where you can find her. And she's doing a great job of being being Supermom while she's hosting the show on NBC5. I'm glad that, that she was available to be on the podcast. And I'm glad that people are, are still down. Like, I got a couple episodes that are coming up, man, next week. Woohoo! I got the white whale. I've been I've been hunting one of my friends down to be on the podcast and I can tell you after finishing the interview, man, it is it is so good. And if you are a football person, you are you are going to I think really enjoy this conversation. But that's next week. As I said at the top of the podcast, I appreciate the support 
you can donate to the podcast if you want to. I mean, you listening is is the most important thing. And I, I'll never say that you're not doing enough. But if you want to donate, just look like inside of Apple where it has a it, there'll be a link where you can literally donate to the podcast. And if you have a company that you think matches up with House of L and you want to advertise, I'm telling you, there's going to be more shows coming on this platform. And there's going to be more things that we can, what what we would call inventory. There's going to be more inventory for you to play with. So jump on now. Be a part of this now. Help us grow and get to that next level that I'm hoping to take my little small media company to. And it's so weird. I used to joke about that, like that I'm a CEO of a small company. And I am. It's very small. It's just me. <laughs> like, there's just me. But I'm trying to add more people. I'm trying to add more people to the party and I'm trying to give them an opportunity to to have a place to put their content if they don't want to build their own place. I always suggest that people build their own, but if they want to hang out and do stuff with me, I'm I'm with it. And I'm going to as a matter of fact, I'm actually getting ready to go make a phone call right now to someone who I think has something to contribute to what it is we do here at House of L. And I'm going to figure out a way to make this person a part of it if they're interested. So I appreciate the support. House of L podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up, especially if you want to be an advertising partner. We would love to have you. Trust me. Next week, my guest is going to blow your mind with all the great stuff that we talk about. It's perfect for Super Bowl week. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.